Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Cool. Well, this week we're going to talk about adaptability. I think that might be the way to summarize it, but... Um, how uh jake if you want to kind of summarize it in the way that you just did was it was really nice one of the things that we're we're thinking about a lot right now at the product organization at ibotta um is how how do we adapt to curveballs that get thrown our way from changing market conditions i think a lot of companies can relate to this right now just given the macro environment around just the state of the economy and and, uh, macroeconomic conditions and how that's impacting business decisions and outlooks and so forth. So how, how do companies and specifically product teams succeed when the future is less certain and you get some big changes thrown at you that you need to react to extremely quickly in order to continue making progress on, on your product roadmap and product visions? Yeah. So you have like Basically, when we say market condition shifts, are we talking about strategic intent shifts or are we talking about like outside market shifts like a COVID, for example? One kind of influences the other. And I think that the big ones that at least I'm thinking about are when some of these external factors, whether it's like COVID or it's um, inflationary pressure or maybe in a B2B organization, you have a major partner come in and kind of change a requirement on you last minute, how do how do you handle that? And how do you make sure you're still able to deliver quality outcomes as a product organization? Because I think those things will change your strategic vision as a company and strategic outlook because they're so big, they're changing kind of the overall direction a company is trying to move in. There's a, a little saying in the, the negotiation world, like the Chris Foss and all of those folks, situation drives strategy. Your situation drives your strategy, which I interpreted as, you know, strategies are just ways that you might do something, uh, ways you might think about it, ways you might make decisions, and they're tools in your toolbox, and you don't take out every tool. You, you choose the right one for your situation. That's kind of in that lowercase strategy S, you know, not the big strategy, but just sort of the little things we might do. So that's a piece of it. Just knowing that you will change, that's a way to uh, feel good about the change. You're not just veering off the road, you're picking a different tool out of your toolbox. Knowing where you're going and having that direction is the most important part, like your anchor, your flag in the sand, what have you, right? Like like as a company, where are you guys heading? That's the the most important part. Do these market shifts or you know um, wrenches, uh, monkey wrenches, throw you off that course? And is that worth reevaluating, or does that remain cons- constant? And we need to figure out the shorter term milestones to get there, right? Like, do we need to reevaluate that shorter term milestones? Because we a very similar experience coming into a, a, the new organization of, you know, we had these four pillars of our OKRs for the year, right? And now we're midway in the year. And, you know, we just went to Cannes and we learned that partners really were interested in sustainability. So we need to pivot, you know, uh, now, why? <laughs> like, is it, is it, is it part of the strategy? Is it, does it tie into one of those OKR strategic intents? And is it worth, if it doesn't, is it worth, you know, ripping one of those out and reprioritizing, um, knowing that we had made some advancements towards that throughout the year? Another good one, 
in the MarTech space's addressability with the cookie deprecation. And Google just announced yesterday, I believe, it'll date this podcast, but that they're pushing it out another year, right? And then who knows if they'll actually ever deprecate the third-party cookie, right? And so that just that shifts a whole advertising landscape based on their decision because they own this market share. But yeah, what level are we talking about here? I think I that that's exactly it, right? Like those are yeah. factors that are outside the control of your company, but change the conditions within your company operates. And that decision by Google is probably going to have a huge tidal wave of impact across the industry. Just when you think about product roadmaps and how how product teams think about product development and the actual things that they prioritize and build. One of the comments you made Kevin, about the North Star and that not moving, that anchor, that stake in the sand, I think that's probably the most important thing to helping teams navigate through those kinds of scenarios because that makes everything feel like it's going to work out, right? Like our North Star hasn't changed, but we need to we need to evaluate and accommodate for these cha- this massive change in our me- in our immediate vicinity that may change how we get to that North Star and it may reposition us a little bit, but our ultimate goal hasn't changed yeah well that that, i mean that's i would say that's probably the better of the situations to manage right whereas but not to say that it's not hard right again we're we're more than halfway about halfway through the year right we've already made progress to these core strategic pillars that we intended to go out and so then it's just an exercise of how far are we along on that journey and is it now the time because of these indications to shift that strategy, still have to have the conversation and the trade-offs, right? And we have to make the decision to say, no, we're not doing that in favor of this. We can't do both. It's that, you know, you have to have that conversation and decision criteria across the uh, organization, you, uh, most likely the executive team, right? So if, you, if you're influencing from the ground up there versus that that executive team kind of advising on on where we need to go, always making sure that we're not committing to two things now, right? Uh, what 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 do we forego? Yeah. So here's a question. Let's let's go back to that cookie example that you just shared, Kevin. Like if something if that some kind of announcement like that comes out and it's this external condition that you don't have control over but radically impacts your product roadmap. How do you how do you help a team navigate that? Specifically working with product managers, senior PMs, folks working directly with squads. Absolutely. It's super important and this is the onset of the strategic framing and your topology. Is your topology supporting flexibility and malleability throughout the year and and, in the journey, right? If it's not, then that is probably the first place to start, right? Because if you have a specific cookie deprecation team, sorry guys, (laughs) like that's not good, right? There's no flexibility. But if you have a, you know, a publisher monetization team, Oh, okay. Or um, a broader addressability team. That's okay. You know, I was like, okay, there's some malleability, there's flexibility. So I think when you're setting that strategy and you're defining these areas of ownership for your teams, do almost like a pre-mortem for that journey and play out these scenarios and ask your team, like, what if XYZ happens? How will you guys adapt? And that way you're setting yourselves up for success day one versus like having a react it to a situation. And so if you're in reaction mode here, I still think it's the, you know, what was the initial intent, like extract it to the customer and the job and kind of what we were trying to solve for and make sure our team is set up in that way and focused on that goal. 
uh, instead of that specific. Have you ever done, and Todd, this may be a question for you, like, have you ever done these kinds of simulation exercises where you have these kind of big events that really shake up how you think about things? Like I've heard of it talked about in the context of risk management and disaster planning. Is this in the same category? Is there value to that for a product team? I haven't done an exercise like that, but I would put this in the general category of de-risking along assumptions. So, right, and, and this kind of change you're talking about is, you know, what might be called a black swan event, that sort of thing that changes the world. It alt- or at least it alters your view of the world because suddenly things are not what that you thought. A black swan event basically invalidates, you know, droves of assumptions as opposed to, oh, well, we have this one assumption that was bad and that happened to be a linchpin for this product. That's a little different. But in all cases, assumptions carry risk. The most dangerous ones are the ones you don't realize you're making. So some of those exercises might just be about how do we identify the assumptions? How can we make explicit those things that we're saying? And it sometimes it's just somebody hearing something with just the right ears. I was on a, my last company, it was a SaaS solution that it lets you administer school lunch menus. The whole thing was built for the school industry, but we were going to be expanding into other industries. Like what about college campuses and what about corporate campuses and other places food is served? And it was on one of these calls with uh, uh, one of the college crews doing this, the, the food there talking about, oh, well, we don't, we don't do this. We don't plan this out. We just kind of do it last minute. So we need a feature that lets us you know, update the signage last minute. And our customer success person was kind of going down that path of, okay, well, we can, we can figure this out or that out. But what I heard was, oh, you're not subject to the same regulations as American school nutrition directors. You don't have to have well-thought-out plans burned in in advance. Our system is built with the assumption that everything is thought out and done ahead of time. If there's going to be all this stuff on the fly, man, what else is lurking in our system that is going to completely fall on its face because of a different regulatory environment? So for me, alarm bells were going off from that little passing comment. It's like, oh my gosh, we're going to have a scaling issue. We're not going to be able to get into this industry unless we think about all this other stuff. Recognizing it comes from just those assumptions. Hearing you talk about assumptions that we don't know we're making, like that's a juicy that's a juicy subject. Curious, like other examples of that happening, how do those become uncovered and then how do you react to those? I mean, usually they are uncovered at the worst possible moment when something's yeah. failed. <laughs> um, an exercise I sort of started developing and then uh, Lindsay Thrift, she told me about something she learned about. I don't know what her version of this exercise is called, but I call it the sabotage workshop. And you basically, you take whatever it is you're trying to do, whether it's an engagement, a project, or an entire user flow, and you set out to sabotage it. You say, how could we make this go as poorly as possible? What could we do to make this fall apart? But you have to, as a saboteur, you can't be obvious. You have to do the subtlest thing you can to do the most damage. And I'd have people, you know, get into teams and and make sticky notes for all their ideas. You look at where do people converge? If you get a lot of people saying the same thing, like, oh, this, this part of the process has a lot of saboteurs focused on it. Therefore, it must be important. Therefore, you know, what are the assumptions that we've made here that this points about, you know, points out? Like, uh, you know, an example would be like, if you want to design um, getting through from, you get off the train, you get to your, your gate at the airport, 
all the things that happen in between. How could you make it as bad as possible? And I feel like, you know, people have been working on making it as bad as possible over the years. But it'll, it'll point out like, oh, we assume that people will know how to get into the right line, where we assume that um, TSA is going to work the way we they work today, but maybe some event changes that and the rules change. Does that invalidate our entire security flow? That could be a really fun product team hackathon, like a product version of a hackathon where it's design a feature, design a product to compete and steal market share or whatever whatever the goal is. Like basically design something to take us down. What would that look like? I would, I would actually argue that this might be a good step that you should have in your process as a product uh, uh, team, right? Like think about, I think Airbnb had this one of like, how do you 10 X a customer experience? Right. And like, how do you take that to the next level? But how could you 10 minus that experience? Like that would be actually more interesting, I think, or I mean, doing both would be helpful, but uh, that might be a good tool in the toolkit. Maybe we uh, have a 10 minus uh, a uh, rebuttal to the Airbnb approach. <laughs> Well, and what it'll also point out are pinch points. So if you're trying to 10x, maybe some of the things in your process don't scale. Maybe they're fixed. And so, you know, you suddenly you have this bloated thing with a pinch point that was immovable. And that's, that's a total blocker. It, it leads. So there's this thing, you know, that the sort of Teresa Torres talks about the product trio, uh, design engineering and, and product looking at you know the desirability usability from design the feasibility from engineering and then the viability from product which is to say even if we can build something people will love to use so that's feasibility desirability and usability will it make a difference to the business and that's the viability but there has to be this thing at the end of each of those parts which is at a scale appropriate to the business even if we can build this at a scale appropriate to the business uh, we can build something people will love to use at a scale appropriate to the business will it help the business at a scale appropriate to the business so it's like maybe yeah it works in a prototype or if we have 100 users it's all great and we can build that but we scale up to the level we need to be sustainable and our AWS bills go you know sink us or our system just can't handle it or our customer success people suddenly can't do this and you know, we have to automate stuff away you have all these emergent issues so at a scale appropriate to the business are really to me the the key word to think about yeah at I think about this a lot. Like it seems like there are two equally important problems, generally speaking, in developing especially new products and innovation products that take this, not the same innovation, but I would argue the same level of innovation. And that is figuring out the formula to solve the immediate problem, right? Like putting, doing whatever you need to do to hack it together, figure it out, kind of like the MVP concept of of just cracking the code and figuring out what it takes to solve this problem in a valuable way. That's problem number one. Problem number two is figuring out, to, figuring out how to solve that problem at scale. And I think the innovations to do that are just as complex and just as challenging and impressive as it is to solve the immediate problem. That's, yeah, I, it's just, I mean, we're, we're thinking about something right now at Ibotta in terms of taking what we've built over the last 10 years and scaling that it's the 10x problem. Like, how do we scale this at 10x? And doing what we've done for 10 years is not going to get us through the next 10 years. There's no way. I saw a quote uh, today in my work Slack that I just loved. It, it kind of blew me away because I just never thought about it before. In a good market, we innovate. 
in a recession, we automate. Yeah. It's not a hundred percent true, but it sure points to something. Yeah. That's where my head went. It's like, are those different things? Well, you know, the, the reality is you, you got to be doing these things at the same time. Innovation and automation, you know, it's, I think of automation as trimming the sales. Once you're at sea, you want to go faster, you have to trim the sales. But the emphasis, you know, when you, when you, if you talk about the bean counters who are going to want to eliminate stuff, you, you know, you can eliminate, you can lower your AWS bill or you can lay people off. If you can lower your AWS bill 10K a month, that saves a job. If we uh, if we can wrap this up with some homework for our listeners this week, what would, what would we have for them? Run a sabotage workshop. Get get a, and and by the way, mm-hmm, and it works well in teams. I like to call them one side the saboteurs and the other side the mighty worriers. You have to worry about what they're going to do. Anticipate the sabotage, and then everybody's being creative instead of like, oh, I don't know, I can't. I'm too optimistic to come up with a risk. Get creative about it. I would do that. Do that at your, if you're a leader, you know, do that at your team level as well. And like talk through this at the topology level, like what could go wrong and and go through that exercise with your team uh, leaders too. I think that would be an interesting exercise, but well, um, thanks for joining us this week. Um, Hope you enjoyed your coffee. Go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover, and who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.